Blog Talk Radio. Shot himself. Yeah. 
and killed himself. And he happened to be a Connecticut boy. He was a Connecticut boy. At a gun fair in right. Massachusetts. He wound up shooting himself and uh, dying. You know? It was very sad. Was, I mean, these things are ridiculous. I mean, I'm sorry, folks, but, you know, uh, kids are fine. You know, it's great, but, hey, you know, guns are guns, man. And, you know, I, I don't think I was able to, I don't think I shot my first rifle till I was about 12 or 13. 12, maybe, 12. But, um, you know, that, uh, and that was a 22, you know. I, uh, uh, a shotgun, 12 gauge, had such a kick and knocked me out. Knocked, <laughs> knocked me back. You know? <laughs> yeah, my 30 30 rifle shot, you know, knocked me, not, you know, I had quite a hell of a kick to it, too. So it's like, you know, a 9 year old or an 8 year old or a 7 year old or a 6 or a 12 year old, even, you know, holding on not to Not appropriate. Yeah, you know, holding on to one of those rifles. Uh, use a little common sense, folks. Sometimes I think, you know, <laughs> here I am, I got, I got so many, I mean, we're doing the union issues tonight, uh, and I've got things that, you know, are not anti-union, but, you know, questioning some things that the unions are questioning. Um, for instance, uh, the coalition urges police changes following Ferguson shooting. Well, the problem with that is they still don't, they haven't shown any evidence of what the, what actually happened there. Well, we don't know. There's a they, lot yeah, we don't nobody, know. Nobody's uh, said anything. Uh, they've never brought out the, the, the cause, nor did they bring out what 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 made a guy just shoot this poor kid, uh, you know, six times, okay? But they also said that the kid, that the, that the, that the, um, um, the, the uh, policeman was was uh, hit. You know, he was hit by the guy, and uh, by the kid. And he had he had a swollen face, okay, by being hit. So, yeah, so there's something not being said there. The AFL CEO President Richard Trumka joined a diverse group of organizations and leaders from all walks of life in signing on to a letter to President Obama calling for real solutions after the killing of an unarmed teenager, Michael Brown, in Ferguson, Missouri. As the nation's largest labor federation, said Trunker, the AFL-CIO believes that our nation must address issues of racial injustice in order to realize economic prosperity for all. Well, I agree with that. Michael Brown, the coalition points out, is only the latest in a long list of black men and boys who have died under eerily similar circumstances. Investigations into the Ferguson shooting are ongoing, and many of the specific facts remain unclear for now. However, the pattern is too obvious to be coincidence and too frequent to be a mistake. From policing to adjudication and incarceration, it's time for the country to counter the effects of systemic racial bias, which impairs the perceptions, judgment, and behavior of too many of our law enforcement personnel and obstructs the ability of our police departments and criminal justice institutions protect, to protect and serve all communities in a fair and just manner. This letter calls on the Obama administration to address what's called systemic racial bias and the militariz militarization of police departments around the country. Well, I have to agree with that. I do agree with him on that. I do agree with him on that. The only thing, I thought the most horrendous um, arrest and actually killing 
killing uh, of, a, of a black guy was of a black American was the uh, was in New York where they where they did a string. Uh, uh, five or six policemen got on this guy, guy. Yeah, and put him in a sleeper hole and killed him. You know, yeah. it's uh, you know, it was. <laughs> I mean, that was probably the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Uh, you know, as far as police brutality. Yeah, that was terrible. I mean, my God! I mean, all the guy was doing was selling illegal cigarettes. So I mean, really? Come on, you know, that is unbelievable. And this is in our, our in New York, okay? So New York City. So it is just ridiculous. But his um, um, his letter, okay, and we can read this, which I think might be. Well, a, I don't think it's his letter. Yeah, he, signed, he signed on to a letter. That's uh, what I read. Oh, is that what he said? Yes. Well, let's see. He, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of people. Diverse group yeah, of organizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons. Tons. Just read some of the organizations that have joined okay. on to this. Okay. Maya Rockmore, Rocky Moore uh, Center for Global Policy, Angela Glover Blackwell, founder and CEO of Policy Link, U.S. House of Representatives Elijah Cummings, Susan Taylor, founder. This list, list is endless. So you know you can you can go you can go and look at there's probably a couple hundred names here. So but anyway, and Trump was one of them. But it's probably an interesting letter to read. Only because um, it says here, um, the cities across America, local law enforcement units do often treat low-income neighborhoods uh, populated by African Americans and Latinos as if they are military combat zones instead of communities where people strive to live, learn, work, play, pray, and uh, play and pray in peace and harmony. Youth of color, black boys and men especially who should be growing up in support of affirming environments are instead presumed to be criminals and relentlessly subjected to aggressive police tactics yep. that result in unnecessary fear, arrest, injuries, and death. I think it's, what is it, it's like one in three uh, black men by the time they're 21 or something. It's uh, higher uh, than that. Uh, it's, it's amazing. But you know what, folks? I've been arrested, you know. You know, that militarization is coming to your neighborhood. Oh, yeah. So don't think it's just going to stay in low-income neighborhoods. No, it, It'll it, be it, yours next. I mean, look what happened in, in, in New York and uh, at, at Occupy Wall Street. Uh, Occupy Wall Street. Look what's happening. Look what happened out west in uh, California with the, with the, uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, dock workers there. Um, Longshoremen's Union. Uh-huh. You know, they 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 went on fire. They put they, they were in they were well, that was a big 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 problem there. Uh, tons of places, many many places that they, the media does not talk about, right? And unfortunately, it doesn't get on the news anywhere. Um, you know, it, the protesters are being beaten and uh, you know subjected to intimidation and uh, all kinds of tear gassing and whatnot. You know. Uh, you know, so it's 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 really quite bad. But let, let's continue. Um, Primitive violence and instead presumed to be criminals, you know, result in unnecessary fear, uh-huh. arrests, injuries, and deaths. Michael Brown, an unarmed American teen, shot multiple times and killed by a Ferguson, Missouri police officer, is only the latest in a long list of black men and boys who have uh, died under eerily similar circumstances. Uh, we read this. Uh, in addition.
police departments across the country is creating conditions that will further erode the trust that should exist between residents and the police who serve them. The proliferation of machine guns, silencers, armored vehicles, and aircraft, and camouflage in local law enforcement units does not bode well for police-community relations, the future of our cities, or our country. And surely, neither systemic racial bias nor police department militarization serves the interests of the countless police officers who bravely place their lives at risk every day. In light of these dangerous trends, we, the undersigned, call on the administration to pursue the following actions. Training. Racial bias is real. Whether implicit or explicit, it influences perceptions and behaviors and can be deadly. Law enforcement personnel in every department in the country under guidelines set by the U.S. Department of Justice uh, should be uh, required to undergo racial bias training as a part of an ongoing professional development and training. And uh, accountability. You want to read some of this one? No, I can't see that. I'm going to have to read it from here. Uh, accountability. Police departments should not be solely responsible for investigating themselves. These departments are funded by the public. Oh, don't put your feet in. Don't, don't do that. It'll crash. Um, These uh, departments are funded by the public and should be accountable to the public. Right. Enforceable accountability measures must be either established or re-examined for impartiality in circumstances where police shoot unarmed victims, the Department of Justice must set and implement national standards of investigation that are democratic, involving independent review boards broadly representative of the community served, transparent and enforceable. Diversity. Police department personnel should be representative of the communities they serve. And that wasn't true in Ferguson. Police departments must adopt personal practices that result in the hiring and retention of diverse law enforcement professionals using diversity best practices established in other sectors. The Department of Justice must set, implement, and monitor diversity hiring and retention guidelines for local police departments. Engagement. Too often, law enforcement personnel hold stereotypes about black and brown youth and vice versa. Lack of familiarity breeds lack of understanding and increased opportunities for conflict. Police departments must break through stereotypes and bias by identifying regular opportunities for constructive and quality engagement with youth living in the communities they serve. The administration can authorize support for youth engagement activity under existing youth grants issued by the Department of Justice. Demilitarization. Deterring crime and protecting communities should not involve military weapons. Oh, boy, I agree with that. Yeah. And why is the government pushing tanks and everything else on local police departments? Effective policing strategies and community relationships will not, and let me emphasize, not be advanced if police departments continue to act as an occupying force in neighborhoods. The administration must suspend programs that transfer military equipment into the hands of local police departments and create guidelines that regulate and monitor the use of military equipment that has already been distributed. Boy, I agree with that. Oh, I do too, huh? 
examination and change. It is possible to create police departments that respect, serve, and protect all people in the community, regardless of age, race, ethnicity, national origin, physical and mental ability, gender, faith, or class. The administration must quickly establish a national commission to review existing police policies and practices and identify the best policies and practices that can prevent more Ferguson's and vastly improve policing in communities across the nation. Uh, overnight. Oversight. Oversight if somebody isn't tasked with ensuring the implementation of equitable policing in cities across the country, then no one will do the job. The administration must appoint a federal czar housed in the Department of Justice who is specifically tasked with promoting the professionalization of local law enforcement, monitoring egregious law enforcement activities, and adjudicating suspicious actions of local law enforcement agencies that receive federal funding. Good. I agree. I agree with that. And all these many people... Uh, you can go to the AFL-CIO blog uh, now, actually, and uh, you'll find this, all right, so this letter. Um, I think what, uh, I don't know, I, I, uh, here's another one that, that, that really kind of, says, uh, Trump applauds the defeat of anti-worker legislation in Missouri. AFL-CIO Richard Trumka issued the following statement after several anti-worker bills were defeated in the Missouri legislature. Defeating the attempt in Missouri to enact so-called rights to work and paycheck deception legislation sends a strong signal that working people will stand together to prevail over outrageous attacks on their rights. This victory is a statement of common sense bipartisanship and direct blow to corporate interests whose goal is to literally to hurt working people. Along with our allies, we'll continue to build upon our successes and move forward to create better opportunities for all workers. Missouri reminds us that big corporations and extreme ideologues are relentlessly forcing their money and resources against the interests of workers, and only by fighting back today together can we ensure a better life for all Americans? Um, that's what Trump has said. I, I agree with him. We just had a debate here about it with uh, our, job, our uh, president, Governor Daniel Malloy, and, and contender, Republican contender, and Foley, Tom Foley. Now Tom yeah. Foley had lost uh, to him last uh, last term, and uh, is running again against him again. But the problem with Tom Foley, all right is that he's four years too late, you know, in his concepts. He, you know... But the trouble with Tom Foley is he's out of touch. He's so out of touch. And, he, you know, he, he, he's got problems with, with, with accepting things like uh, um, uh, 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 sick pay, okay, for workers, uh, uh, leave of absences, uh, pregnancy leave of absences, things like that that, are, that should be... Um, Part of, part, of, part of every... American system for every worker. Right. You know, do you want someone sneezing all over your food and coughing all over because well, they have a flu? Exactly. That's what... Because that's they, they can't afford to take a day off because they're afraid they're going to be fired? Or even or even fall, you know, fall down at the job or, you know... Hurt, hurt themselves. themselves. Because they're, 
you know, they, they can't uh, they can't stand up or, you know, or, um, making really bad decisions because they can't concentrate. So it's, it's like, you know, you have to have this. You just have to have this. And it's like, you know, for the re- and, and unions protect these things. And that's why we're, we're such advocates for unions is because uh, we've been in unions. If we are in unions, Lila is a, a, in unions. Uh, we're, we understand it, and we understand the need. But, you know, guys like Foley and these Republicans... But there are no unions. He's not going to give you a page six, eh? No, no, of course not. And he doesn't think you need one. Yeah. And, you you know, can stay home, but you're not going to get paid, and maybe you won't have your job tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. So there's no protections. He was a businessman for 35 years, you know, and a debatable... Uh, what kind of business? What kind of business he he, he was in? Because he uh, he was more like the uh, it, it looks it looks like his actions were more in line with uh, with Bain Capital, you know, yeah, Romney, Romney. Romney kind of like vulture capitalism, and um, you know, based on on some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, research that uh, things that have come up in the last two elections. But uh, aside from that, let's let's move on. Uh, where chances are fully, uh, fully, uh, yeah, will probably not do well in this election, which you know we uh, are looking forward to, <laughs> because you know we we just don't want to see Connecticut go any further down. It took four years just to recover from what, to 20 get, years of, of Republican yeah, administration. Poor Daniel Malloy is, is trying to keep his head above water, last, you know, but the, he started with a sinking ship. But when you think that the last Republican governor we had spent a year and a day in jail and is still fighting new corruption charges, okay, since he's been out of out of uh, out of uh, uh, jail, federal prison, uh, you know, and it looks like he may wind up going back to federal prison. Okay, you got to wonder. Okay, also. You know, his dealings with Enron and his dealings with everything that sunk this state right into, you know, the, probably one of the worst in the country, okay? Uh, Elise Malloy, uh, with a Democratic, a Democratic uh, governor, has done a lot to, to turn this around, all right, I think. Uh, He's you trying. Know, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not 100% happy with his stuff, but <laughs> I was... I was I was absolutely appalled at the last twenty years of Republican Republican governorship. Yep. Oh God. There's a couple of things that I like that he did though. The first thing that I like that he did is he stood up to the public utilities. Yeah. That was somebody had to. Yeah. But I mean, now but now these, these in, in Connecticut C L M P is now asking for a fifty nine percent rate hike. Yeah. What? They're, they're out of their minds. Fortunately, uh, Senator Blumenthal right. is, is making that a cause. And he I mean, he, he was he, outraged. He, yeah, Thank God. Yeah. Somebody was, at least somebody yeah. feels some outrage towards what's and I'm happening. Sure, and I'm sure Malloy probably will come on He's that bandwagon pretty fast, too. The other thing he took a stand against was that Amtrak. Oh, my God. What a mess that uh, company is. I mean, especially Metro North. Up here, I mean, it was just, just an abomination. Oh, I shouldn't have said Amtrak. I meant to say Metro North. Metro North. It's, yeah. it's one of the same basic... Uh, I don't think it's... I don't know if it's the same company right. or not. I don't have but no it's idea. horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And so many people but people have, have to depend on them to get to work and yeah, to get right. home. From uh, New York to Connecticut. And Safely. Uh, yeah. So, 
you know, and I've had tremendous problems with that, with that the breakdowns and accidents and my God, everything. So now they're trying to overhaul that, and then they uh, they they uh, made the, they forced the well, actually, they forced uh, the 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 uh, Malloy and and shareholders of that company uh, forced the uh, CEO of CLMP out of office. Yeah. And selected and elected another guy who doesn't seem to be much better, right? No. And they forced out the CEO of uh, Metro North, right, and put somebody else in. But you know whether or not you know changes are going to happen with him, that's questionable as well. So we'll see. But overall, you know, you know what you got to believe is one thing that you can believe about Malloy uh, is that. You know he's he's got he's got uh, some backbone. You know he's willing to go after some of these uh, some of these major uh, groups that are just you know destroying the, the, his state. You know and uh, that's that's all I can say. Great that he's doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know. probably would be better to play this. It's ten ways Mitch McConnell's obstructionism has and will hurt Kentuckians. I can't find that. On what page is that on? That is on... Um, it's on the slide. I, uh, let's go back to this. It's on the blog. Hmm. The one with... Um, what page is it on? It starts mm-hmm. off with check out Brotherhood Outdoors. Oh, it's in. Okay, where, where is it? Yeah, it's it? at the bottom of that. Oh, is it at the bottom of the it's page? It's near, near the bottom anyway. Oh, okay. I saw, I saw uh, 
speech, part of a speech that he gave on uh, C-SPAN. Uh-huh. And he was promoting, which was a good thing. The only good thing I can think of that, that he's promoting is the legalization of industrial hemp. For his state? For his, yeah. Oh, that the, makes a uh, lot of sense. They grew industrial hemp in the Civil War. They grew it in, in the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Uh, their biggest export was hemp. Ninety percent of their economy, in fact, ninety percent of the Revolutionary economy was hemp. When did they change that? Well, that was all changed in 1937, uh-huh. when uh, you know when they banned uh, uh, industrial hemp and they banned uh, uh, marijuana. You know, but they couldn't they couldn't grow it in the United States. So ever since then. Uh, you know, they uh, they had to import it. Amazing, huh? But anyway, uh, it goes on. I, I, you know, Mr. McConnell is a nightmare. You know, he, he's truly a nightmare. Um, working families are obviously not big fans of such veiled threat as shutting down the government. But the pocketbooks of Kentucky cannot afford another term of Mitch McConnell playing a game of chicken. We need not send Senator Mitch McConnell to Washington to work against Kentuckians. However, Mitch is now hinting of a government shutdown as a possible option if he doesn't get his way. Residents of Kentucky want a better uh, economy, decent wage-paying jobs, and reliable government services. Kentuckians suffered during the last government shutdown. It drained millions of dollars in countless jobs from Kentucky's economy. The last government shutdown denied Kentuckians access to critical government services and kept federal workers from performing their jobs on behalf of the American people. Shame on you, Mitch. We call on Senator McConnell to stop making such reckless comments. This last incident proves that he is not the bright person to represent Kentucky in the United States Senate. McConnell was a key player in the last government shutdown in 2013, which didn't go well for Kentucky. Here are 10 ways the 16-day shutdown hurt Kentucky working families and wouldn't hurt them again, and would hurt them again if McConnell got his way. One was the benefits staff uh, at the Veterans Administration Regional Office in Louisville were furloughed and couldn't help veterans who had served our country. Two, a total of 13,000 1,300 Kentucky National Guard members were furloughed, and the state wouldn't be vulnerable, would be vulnerable in an emergency. The National Guard also shut down regular drills and suspended sending soldiers for specialized training. Fort Knox, the Fort Capital, uh, at Fort Campbell, sent home civilian workers. Anytime workers were sent home, pay was either delayed temporarily, causing hardships, or never paid. And during a time of economic hardship and high unemployment, Workers at the Kentucky Office of Employment and Training were laid off. The new Glasgow State Nursing Facility had its Medicaid certification delayed, and patients weren't able to be moved to that new facility, and better meet, uh, which better met their needs. If delayed loans for Kentucky small businesses without it delayed loans uh, for Kentucky small businesses without a nearly a half a million dollars in loans typically approved each day, many businesses were harmed. Social Security services, such as providing replacement cards and preventing proper improper payments, were delayed. 
It closed all national parks, including the State Mammoth Cave National Park and Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. With millions of visitors coming to national parks each year, tourism-related business such as motels, restaurants, and shops lost income. And uh, the last two are, if a shutdown goes on more than a, a few weeks, programs that serve the needy, like the Supplemental Nutrition uh, Assistance Program, or SNAP, Head Start, Women's Infants, and Children's, WIC, and low-income home and energy assistance programs would run out of money. Veterans' benefits would also run out. And number 10, a grant payment uh, for transit uh, systems and reinvestment in related infrastructure, something Kentucky got more than $61 million for in 2010, could be delayed and potentially leaving bridges and other parts of the transportation grid in dangerous states. The President's Office of Management and Budget released a report on the shutdown that detailed a wider problem that obstructionist Republican tactics had on the economy and our working families across the country. This is a terrible thing. And, um, you know, and these guys are just more and more willing to shut it down, you know, and do it again. I don't know what the hell the problem with these people are. I mean, they just, they just like, you know, I don't know. Some kind of, you know, say no monkeys. You know, they're just like, damn. You know, so. But anyway, um, it's time for a take. Let's take a little quick music break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. And uh, with more news. All right.
Well, um, I just read a bunch of articles here that uh, says uh, Burger King wants to become Canadian to avoid U.S. taxes. Okay. Um, these are some of the headlines that we're looking at. If it sounds ridiculous that an American company could purchase a foreign firm and suddenly avoid a U.S. corporate tax system, that's because it is. McDonald's maintenance worker. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's maintenance worker, Jose Carrillo, 81, won't let his age keep him from waging a fight for fair wages for fast food workers. And uh, Yeah, that's interesting. No one personifies the exploitation of fast food employees uh, and endure it day in and day out better than 81-year-old Jose Carrillo. Let, let's look at what he's talking about. McDonald's maintenance worker. Um, Peruvian immigrant Castillo is paid $8.10 an hour at a, middle, at a midtown McDonald's and can't afford to retire. He is one of hundreds of fast food workers campaigning to have their wages raised to $15 an hour. Right. And uh, uh, no one better, because uh, unbelievable that uh, New York is the capital of the world and people, uh, and people, good, hardworking uh, family people are being paid, this is, this is, uh, are being paid $7.25 an hour, said Carlo, a Peruvian immigrant, an American citizen, who after 10 years employed at a midtown Manhattan McDonald's as a maintenance worker, makes all of $8.10 an hour. I have had only a 10-cent raise in all of these years. <laughs> Carrillo, a, a widower, came to New York in 1997 with his wife, who passed away 10 years ago. You get you use you get used to the solitude, he said wistfully. And despite his age, he cannot afford to retire. Although I live alone and I make what I make is not enough, the cost of living keeps rising. Carrillo, who works three days a week and takes home about $155, still strong and energetic. Don Jose, at his age, as his fellows workers call him, uh, has been on six uh, strikes since the beginning of the fast food workers' movement to fair wages in 2012. They want the salaries of the 4 million fast food workers in the country raised to $15 an hour and to have the right to join a union. I am willing to do whatever it takes, he said. Carrillo is one of hundreds of fast food workers involved in the fight against the abuses they are subject to by multi-billion dollar corporate companies such as McDonald's, Burger King, KFC and Wendy's. Last Saturday, or rather last Sunday, uh, standing next to Reverend Michael Walron, Jr., a senior pastor to the historic First Corinthian Baptist Church, okay. um, uh, in Harlem, Carrillo told the congregation about the sacrifices he and his co-workers are forced to make to be able to survive with their meager salaries. If it wasn't for food stamps and Medicare, I would be—I uh, wouldn't be able to take care of myself. He said. Sunday's religious service kicked off a month of prayings by leading African American and Jewish faith leaders in support of the overwhelming Black and Latino workers' fight for justice and respect. The religious leaders see the struggle for economic opportunity as a defining civil rights issue. It is not fair for a 20 billion 
per year industry, $20 billion per year industry, to pay workers poverty wages, said uh, Walter. A second prayer in uh, will take place someday at the uh, collegiate church in the East Village. Others will follow later in the month at uh, Riverside Church, at um, uh, Judson Memorial Church, and uh, several other, uh, there's, there's about 10 different churches here. This year has seen workers taking a more militant attitude and an increasing uh, willingness to risk, uh, to risk arrest. Actually, 101 workers around the, uh, around the country were arrested during a McDonald's shareholders meeting back in May. It was the largest ever labor protest against a giant food chain. Two months later, 1,200 fast food workers gathered in Chicago at their first national convention ever. They voted to strike and to do whatever is necessary to achieve their goals. The elderly Peruvian immigrant was a proud participant. I'm willing to go as far as necessary, said the feisty Carrillo. $15 would be a game changer especially for younger workers raising a family, he said. What they're getting paid now is a crime. Uh, and I, I still have to believe what he's saying. Um, oh, boy. Um, uh, Violet could, could do something here. Yes, you have to room, Leo. Oh. Yeah, why don't you turn the fan well, on? I now? hope that doesn't interfere, folks, with the audio too much. But we have to put a fan on. They're going to get some air in our room. It's pretty soft. Yeah. Well. Maybe you should play a little music. I just did. Oh, boy. I didn't yeah. even hear that. Um, well, it was so hot in here. Most boys get badly burned with a hot dog water. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> These are different, uh, mm -hmm. different kinds of strange uh, things here. But what page are you on there? Uh, actually, I want a different. Oh, okay. Uh, so if you hang on a second, I will be really happy. I hope I can get to uh -huh. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go back here. One more minute. I hope you all have a, a wonderful uh, Labor Day weekend. I know uh, we are. We will. And... Um, you're going to try. I'm going to try. Uh, it may be raining up here for a couple of the weeks, then, for, for, for a couple of days this weekend, uh, fortunately. Let's keep Walmart out of our classrooms, okay? Yeah. Do you think schools should be run more like Walmart? That's the question. Summer's about gone, and kids and teachers are getting ready to head back to school. Back to school isn't isn't the most fun this time of year, but it's especially hard for teachers and students when there are billionaire families like the Walmart-owning Waltons gearing up to use their riches to attack public education and shift much-needed resources to for-profit schools and corporations. Let's see what else I have to say. Oh, that's good. Um, this is an interesting one because musicians blast NFL pay-to-play scheme, all right? And this is—I uh, don't know if you've heard this recently, but they want the—they uh, the, want Super Bowl musicians and, and uh, acts to pay to 
to be on the Super Bowl instead of being paid. Yeah, uh, which which is really kind of a sham scam deal, you know. Of course you get you get tremendous amount of coverage there and seen by millions of people. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it costs a hell of a lot of money to set up and bring your crew there and put you know, put a stage act together, uh, and, and whatnot. And so normally regardless of what the field you what field you work in, you show up, you perform the tasks required for you, then you get paid for your work. The National Football League has a better idea. Show up, perform, and you pay them. At least that is, that's its proposal for musicians who might play a halftime of the league's biggest event, the Super Bowl. The American Federation of Musicians uh, condemned that proposal as possibly the most colossal pay-to-play scheme ever. Historically, the NFL usually hasn't paid halftime acts, despite uh, the fact that the league charges $3.8 million for each 30-second uh, commercial for the full 45 minutes of ads playing during the game. On top of that, the league had has uh, had, has, uh, league, uh, has, has had revenue of more than $9 billion a year. Um, AFM reports that the NFL even requested a portion of post-show tour earnings from the artists who perform. Oh, my God, can you run? So they aren't just asking musicians to pay to play, but to keep paying after they play. All right? It's amazing. It's amazing. And AFM International President Ray, Ray Hare strongly condemned the request. He said, it's not like the NFL and its Super Bowl organizers don't have any money and can't afford to pay for halftime show performances. It's about the insatiable thirst for profits at the expense of a great musical entertainment and uh, uh, and those who create it. You can find kickback schemes like this coming from unscrupulous bar and nightclub owners, but for the NFL to descend to such death would be unconscionable. And I, and I, I agree with him. I, I got to agree with him on that. Yeah, I mean, how much lower can you go? Yeah. I mean, these guys are getting... These guys are getting some uh, definite uh, kick for their money, but you know it's it's like <laughs> not to get paid anything and then to be paid, you know, to get to, to have to pay the NFL royalties, uh, you know, from the you know, post tour. It's crimes them like criminal, you know. So anyway, hopefully they'll uh, they'll knock themselves out and uh, you know that'll be the end of that. In 2012, the Plumbers and Pipefitters Union and Australia's Plumbing Trades Employees Union entered into a unique affiliation agreement to combat global climate change by sharing industry's best practices, particularly around alternate forms of energy technology. The affiliation allows for joint skills, training, and employment initiatives in the United States, Canada, and Australia. Yeah, I love these guys. I mean, I love I love these people that organize. You know, the 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 the, the, the courage they have. You know, don't you love them? Oh yeah. Huh. I certainly do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, it's humid tonight. Is that your yeah, favorite? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, we're up here in Connecticut, folks, and boy, is yeah, it was a little over ninety today, and it's probably about. It still feels like it's that hot. Despite attempts, and uh, we don't put the air conditioner on up here because it makes too much noise. It drowns out our studio in the studio, so we have to kind of 
live with it with the air and the fan until after the show. But um, uh, despite attempts by both the ownership of K&P Car Wash and the Association of Car Wash Owners to intimidate their, uh, them, the workers of the K&P Car Wash in New York voted to join the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union and affiliate of the United Food and Commercial Workers. Okay, KMP becomes the ninth car wash to unionize since the campaign was launched in 2009, 2012. Wow, that's pretty good, huh? Yeah. KMP, uh, Jose Pedro Calderon said, we organized ourselves because we want to have a union contract that guarantees us better working conditions. But most importantly, we organized ourselves because we wanted respect. As the organizing drive was ongoing, KP shut down the car wash one afternoon while members of the Association of Car Wash Owners led a captive audience meeting. Uh, workers report that the meeting was an attempt to make them fearful that the business could be shut down if they joined the union. RWDSU President uh, uh, Stuart Applebaum said the latest victory of the wash campaign to organize car washers, uh, car washeros, <laughs> <laughs> New York was part of a larger movement. Uh, obviously, they're, they're uh, Latin American uh, workers. This is our ninth victory in a row, and we are we have achieved first contracts in every other organized car wash thus far. Low-wage workers, regardless of the immigration status, are coming together and standing up for better working conditions and respect on the job. We are proud of the car wash arrows and welcome them to, to the uh, RWDSU family. Yeah. Good luck, car wash arrows. You know. uh, anyway. Um, let's see. Yeah, so many, so many interesting issues here. But let's let's move on to the next one. Um, here's something. Twelve uh, twelve recent victories for workers in raising wages and collective bargaining. Okay, well, it certainly seems that far-right extremists are waging an all-out war on working families and their rights. Workers aren't just defending themselves. They are fighting to expand their rights and achieving some significant gains. Here are 12 recent victories we should celebrate while continuing to push for even more wins. AFSCME sets organizing goal almost doubles it. AFSCME President Lee Saunders announced that the union has organized more than 90,000 workers this year, nearly doubling its 2014 goal of 50,000. Tennessee auto workers to create new local union at the VW plant. Um, one second, let me see. Oh, okay, that was, I thought this was familiar, but I thought we read this last week. Usually what we 
do right now is we turn to uh, a little alternative news. And uh, yeah, I'd like to do that. I mean, possibly some environmental or health issues. Um, oops, let me find the wrong site here. Um, This article, and I, I, I would, this uh, article, this, this website I'd like everybody to go to, uh, it's called naturalnews.com. Um, Mike Adams, the uh, health, health ranger, um, he's got a tremendous amount of interesting uh, articles and uh, re reports that he's put out. Uh, but um, There's something interesting that I didn't know, but um, it says that. Oh, an article that goes back a ways. For, he wrote this a while, a while back, but it talks about uh, the benefits of alkalizing benefits about the benefits of alkalizing and mineralizing water. Get out of that one. Um, so how are you doing over there, Leo? Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to my to, to the natural news, but they got so, he's got so many.
Rapid Scan Secure 1000 machines, uh, previously used at transportation, uh, uh, you know, security. Um, interesting. We'll have to uh, well, we'll right down to the end of the show, Leo. Yeah, let me read this one article because we still got four months. But FDA admits not knowing about existence of many food chemicals, let alone their safety. Uh, I can't believe that. The explosive introduction of new food additives in addition to an easing of some federal oversight requirements has allowed manufacturers to dodge scrutiny from the Food and Drug Administration. The agency responsible for ensuring the safety of chemicals that are flowing into the food supply. And as reported by the Washington Post in hundreds of cases, the FDA is not even aware of the evidence or the existence of new additives, which can include chemical preservatives, thickening agents, and flavorings. Interviews and records have shown, records have shown. Uh, we simply do not have the information to vouch the safety of any of these chemicals, said Michael Taylor, mm. the FDA's Deputy Commissioner for Food, in an interview with the Post. The paper further reports, <laughs> the FDA has received thousands of consumer complaints about additives in recent years, says certain substances seem to trigger asthmatic attacks, serious bouts of vomiting, intestinal tract disorders, and other health problems. We have questions about whether we can do uh, what we can do. Uh, we have questions about whether we can do what people expect, said the FDA. As, at a rate that has been much faster in prior years, companies are adding secret ingredients to practically everything. However, the more widespread concern among food safety advocates and federal regulators is the increasing trend of companies choosing a quicker certification process at a level never intended when it was created 17 years ago, in part, help businesses. Okay, all I can tell you folks is go, go non-GMO if you can find it, if they state it, and uh, Costco's has non-GMO and gluten-free foods if you have a Costco near you. Uh, my God, even, even Walmart Mart is going organic, you know, which means its label means there's nothing artificial in there, all right? Uh, once there were more formal and time-consuming, uh, once there was a more formal and time-consuming federal review process in place, but the FDA, not companies themselves, made a final determination on what was safe. That has nearly been completed, completely replaced by a voluntary certification system. The result, says critics, is that consumers now have many, have very. Uh, little way of knowing for sure what the food products they are buying uh, will harm them. Yeah, you have no idea what's in there, really. No, no. You know, if, if it's a meat product or a chicken or something like that, you don't know what would set no, that animal. No. You don't know where that animal grazes. Is the animal grazing on GMO products? He says, we aren't saying we have a public health crisis, uh, but we do have questions about whether we can do what people expect of us. In 50 years since Congress created and then granted FDA responsibility for ensuring safety of food additives, the number of them has soared, soared from over 800 to more than 9,000. They range from common ingredients like salt to brand new tea, uh, green tea extracts. So, 
you know, they went, to, they got over 9,000 uh, food additives. The increase in additives has come as a result of demand from business, busy Americans, most of whom get half their daily meals from processed foods, according to the post summary of government and industry records. That's probably what they can afford. Well, it's fast, it's easy, and affordable. And some food additives have been linked to potentially harmful human conditions. For instance, common additives in food consumed primarily by children have been linked to increase in hyperactivity. Uh, The new research, which was financed by Britain's Food Standard and published online by British Medical Journal, The Lancet presents regulators with a number of issues. Should food con- foods containing preservatives and artificial colors carry warning labels? Yes. Should some additives be prohibited entirely? Yes. And should school cafeterias remove foods with additives? Yes. Oh, and absolutely. I agree 100%. It says FDA has approved tens of thousands of additives over the years. Wow. Yeah. In the past six months alone, top officials of the FDA and in the food industry have admitted that new steps should be implemented to ensure better accounting of new food additives. So they just rubber stamp everything. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's 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 horribly horrible horrible. <laughs> but the the most important thing is um, one thing I wanted to mention tonight was that aspartame has now been changed by the FDA to uh, the label of amino sweet. It hasn't been changed, just the name's been changed. The no, no, the name, the name was changed. Yes, we officially said it's changed. Been changed. But you needed to say oh, no, the no, name. Oh, no, no, the name, no, the name has been changed to Amino Sweet. So it's the same horrible, killing thing, it just has a sweet name. That's right, as opposed to aspartame. You won't see that on the labeling anymore. You'll see Amino Sweet. It right. still kills you. It still kills you. So All right, we're ready right for that, folks, we want to thank you for everything, for joining us. Please join me tomorrow night when I speak with uh, my friend, uh, Maria Algeri, and um, good night, everybody. Have a good night.